illegal participation on the defense. 15-yard penalty from the previous spot remains first down. This had better be a big play after all of that. Second down at eight, four and a half to go in the half, six nothing Beavers. Jonathan from the right hash from the zone 25, goes back to throw, and throws the out, and it's caught, and it's going to be a big play! Chad Johnson down the left sideline, nobody will catch Chad, and it's a touchdown 75 yards for the Beavers! This is the moment, and right here will tell perhaps all about that. Third and one and a half in the right hash. Simon's in the handoff, can't cut to the left, first down and more, 30, 25, 20, Simonton on his way, 10, into the end zone, touchdown Beavers, and the streak is going to end here tonight. The snap on target to Nick. he gets a much better punt away here, Sammy Strotter back to his 30 yard line, starts up the middle, gets to the 40, he's got a seam, 45 midfield, 45, 40, he's got a chance to go, 20, 15, 10, 5, Welcome to Illegal Participation, the official podcast of the Heiner Tailgater. Recording this while firmly ensconced at the Heiner Tailgater headquarters, I'm your host and the big bald guy behind the grill, Bill Heine Heinrich. Joining me, as always, from Twin Pines Vineyards and Airbnb, the director of Thermodynamic Clip and Immersion, my co-host and brother, the Beach. Beach, what are you up to tonight? I'm I'm having nachos and uh, some cake, and I'm pretty much out of food in the house now. Well, out of food in the house. That's not saying much. You never usually have that much food. Well, I had I had cheese and chips, so yeah. I always tell people I got about a 1.7 day supply of food in my house. So if there's ever an apocalypse, I'm totally screwed. Yeah. That, that's why if there's an apocalypse. You're gonna call me to come up there. Exactly. I've got the I've got the real estate. You've got the talent. We can make this work. So this is episode uh, number one forty seven, season nine, episode eight, Beach. Season nine, episode eight. Yep. You know most, most uh, TV shows I don't even make it up to uh, nine seasons. I know. True. 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 Of course, you know they rely on sponsors. And God knows we do this stuff for free. Yeah. This is pretty much true. Pretty much true. I mean, I'm sitting to myself, busting my ass to get this thing here tonight. And I'm thinking to myself, what? For like three people? Really? This is why we do it. For the fan. Yeah, for the fan. <laughs> All right, BJ, ready to talk a little Beaver sports news? Oh, sure. What do we got? Well, we've got some uh, just all-around Oregon State news. The Beavers will continue their run of putting on major postseason events as the NCAA has selected Oregon State to host a 2024 Women's Basketball Regional, the first and second rounds of the 2026 NCAA Men's Basketball Tournament, a 2026 Men's Golf Regional, and a 2026 Women's Gymnastics Regional. Hmm. Yeah. Now, Scott Barnes, Oregon State 
director of athletics, said, quote, We're excited for the opportunity to bring NCAA events in all four of these sports to the state of Oregon. Our department has hosted a number of top-level NCAA championship competitions over the last several years, and we look forward to working with our terrific partners at Sport Oregon, the Rose Quarter, and Travel Portland to continue putting on first-class events. We are eager to embrace another great chance to showcase our state and our university. Now, the Beavs has served as the host for numerous NCAA events in recent years, including a 2019 Women's Basketball Regional, a 2019 Gymnastics Regional, and the first and second rounds of the NCAA Women's Basketball Tournament in 2015, 16, 17, and 19, and eight baseball regionals since 2005. Now, Oregon State is also slated to host the first and second round of the 2022 NCAA Men's Basketball Tournament at the Moda Center. So um, when these people come and visit the Moda Center, are they going to hand out like free fire extinguishers and uh, and first aid kits for, for the visitors? Pretty much. And, and, <laughs> and, 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 I mean, oh, like, you know, did they make this decision like eight months ago or, or did they get a, like a really good deal, like, like a fire sale? Literally. Literally. <laughs> Don't don't worry. You don't have to pay anything for trash. We burn that crap. <laughs> yeah. Now in the dumpsters. <laughs> yeah. Now the 2026 gymnastics regional will mark the 17th time the event has taken place at Gill Coliseum. Oregon State has also hosted the Pac-12 championships on five occasions, and held the NCAA championships in Corvallis in 1990, 93, and 2006. Back in those years, they couldn't even get it. They, they, that was the only way they could get some talent to the school. Yeah. Yeah. I remember the nine, I remember the 1993 uh, uh, gymnastics championships. I was working mm-hmm. at uh, Woodstocks, and I also remember is like I want to say Auburn and Alabama came in, and maybe Georgia. I don't know. There was all a bunch about a bunch of five two little ripped chicks walking around the restaurant, and they're all done because the season was over. So they were just mm-hmm. mowing on pizza. Because they just didn't care. Yep, because it was over. Now, the 2026 Men's Golf Regional will be played at Tristine Tree Golf Club in Corvallis. Uh, the Beavs have also hosted a regional at Tristine Tree in 2001 when they finished tied for six at the event and advanced to the NCAA Championships. Is, is Tristine Tree a pretty nice golf golf club? It's it's pretty nice, and, you know, it's really close to campus, too, so that's mm-hmm. that's pretty nice. It, it, do, do other colleges have uh, golf courses that close to campus? I don't know. Actually, you know, most of Oregon State's athletic stuff is pretty close to campus obviously um the golf course and the the crew dock are the one things over there but but even then they're probably what a half a mile away um yeah maybe a mile mm-hmm. it's still pretty close pretty close yeah all right beach on to other news the Oregon state university athletics department mourns the loss of women's athletics pioneer pat ingram who passed away recently at the age of 90. Now, Ingram played a pivotal role in the involvement of women's intercollegiate athletics on the national side and local scale during the era of the passage of Title IX. Now, she served in various roles at Oregon State from 69 to 88, including as the first director of OSU's Women's Intercollegiate Athletic Department. She also served as a faculty member, head of student teaching, and women's track and field coach. Her track and field squads of 71, 72, and 73 each won their conference titles and advanced to the national championships. Um, her athletes also won 11th, 11 conference and 8 regional titles. Now, her contributions also included a leadership role in the reintroduction of women's cross-country and track and field in 2004, 
establishment of two scholarships for women in 2007, and she served as an organizer of the Title IX dinners held over the years to honor the OSU women's athletic heritage. So she was active in the university even up into her 70s. Correct. Wow, that's impressive. Yep. Yep. All right, on to a little women's basketball news. Oregon State's Michaela Pivik has received one of the biggest honors ever bestowed on an Oregon State student athlete as she has been named a finalist for the NCAA Women of the Year Award. Now, Pivik is the second Beaver in history to be selected as a finalist for the award, joining Joy Selig, who was chosen as one of 10 finalists in 1991, the first year the award was given. Now, selected from a record 605 school nominees, a group that was then narrowed to 161 nominees by conference offices, the group has been cut down to nine finalists, three from each of the NCAA's three divisions. The finalists and top 30 honorees will be celebrated, and the 2020 NCAA Women of the Year will be announced during a virtual award show Friday, November 13th. The show will be streamed on the NCAA Twitter account and ncaa.org slash W-O-T-Y. It'll also be streamed by ESPN. Do, do we have any background on her? What, what makes her so amazing? Is she the one that does all of her donates all of her time? And yeah, we've gone through that when we talked about her a couple weeks ago. Was that her? Yeah. She does a ton of stuff. Yeah. Made, made me feel inadequate and kind well, of pathetic. Yeah. More so than normal. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. She can probably also bench more than you. Probably. Just to make you feel a little more inadequate. <laughs> she, she probably bent. She could probably bench me. <laughs> <clears throat> all right. Uh, let's move on to a little bit of football news. We have, we have games coming up. Well, yeah, but we've got some other stuff to talk about first. Oregon State redshirt senior Noose Keobunum has been named to the fall watch list for the women, uh, Remington Trophy. It was announced last Wednesday. The Remington Trophy is given annually to the nation's top collegiate center. The honor is named for Dave Remington, an All-American center at Nebraska in 1981 and 82. Now, Keobunum enters the 2020 season having played in 35 career games for the Beavs, making 11 starts. He played in all 12 games in 2019, making 11 starts at center. Now, the Portland native came to Oregon State from Centennial High School, where he was a three-sport athlete, competing in basketball and track and field, and he was first-team all-league in the shot put, along with football. He was named Honorable honorable Mention All-State in football as a senior, as well as first-team all-league. Was he a quarterback, or what did he play, or do you know? Center. Oh, yeah. well, no, I... I'm, you don't always play center. You, you're the one that told me one time that oftentimes the, the your, your most often recruits you get are quarterbacks. Well, that's and so I, that's usually for more skilled positions. Okay. Usually, well, excuse linemen, me. Don't don't act like I'm a goddamn moron. Well, I mean, geez. Most offensive linemen are offensive linemen. De- okay. Defensive okay. linemen are usually defensive linemen, right? Gotcha. There's, there's, there's a certain size and stature that goes with those positions. Oh, okay, but now, when you're talking running backs, quarterbacks, a lot of times, receivers. Uh, yeah, you go to some of those schools, they'll take their best player and put them at quarterback. So you get okay. you well, get you get to the college, and they might make you a running back, or they might make you like a slot, or you know, they might make you a strong safety. Just because okay. you're super athletic. Well, like I said, not not meaning to be stupid, I just wanted to confirm. <laughs> okay. I mean, you act like I'm a goddamn moron, and I might be, but you don't have to point it out for everybody who's listening. All these three people that are going to become an idiot more so than normal. I'm having yeah. a bad day. For the fan. Uh, do it for the fan. Yeah. That's going to be our new tagline. <laughs> Doing it for the fan. Hey, we're here for the fan. All right, Beach. Uh, next story. Uh, Pac- the Pac-12 on Monday announced its policies for game cancellations and updated tiebreakers for its season. 
which begins on November 7th, and features a seven-game conference-only schedule and conference championship game. Now, teams will need at least 53 available scholarship players in order to play a game, including seven offensive linemen, one quarterback, and four defensive linemen. They will need 53? You'll need, they'll need 53 available scholarship players. So if you guys got, if you got, and how many do you normally have? Oh, I think they have 85 scholarships. So if you, if you lose 30 people, 35 people to, uh, to COVID, you, you can't play? Scholarships, players, yeah. Oh. If you lose that okay. many players, a scholarship, that many scholarship players aren't available, then yes. And you, okay. and you need to have at least seven offensive linemen, one quarterback, and four defensive linemen. Hmm. That's All because, right. because like we were t- just talking about, a lot of those other players are great athletes and you can move them around. Gotcha. That's why sometimes you see, you know, really great uh, wide receivers. They'll make them deep DBs on like a dime package because they're so okay. fast. Or vice versa. You'll see DBs that they'll bring in and play receiver because they're so fast. Gotcha. Okay. Now, according to the news release, Beach, in order for teams to be considered in a divisional tiebreak scenario, they must play no less than one game less than the average number of league games played by everyone in the Pac-12. So, Beach, for example, if everyone in the league plays an average of 5.25 games, that means you get a couple of teams that don't play a sixth game because of whatever happens. Mm-hmm. Then a team would be eligible to win its division if it plays at least four games. Make sense? Okay. So you yep. couldn't you couldn't gotcha. you couldn't go two and two if everyone else plays an average of five point two five. Okay. So so and somebody's got a temperature, you're like, yeah, it's just heat exhaustion. You're fine. Go out there and do your job. Take a couple of ibuprofen. Rub some mud on it. Get out there. Now, the winner of each division will be determined by the best winning percentage within the conference. So it's winning percentage. Now, if any team has not played six conference games and any team is within one conference win from the team with the highest conference winning percentage and has an equal number of losses, those teams will be considered tied. Now, there are eight tiebreakers, but the conference would first resort to these three cases of both two team ties and ties among three teams or more. So the, the first tiebreaker would be head-to-head results, then record in games played within the division, then record against the next highest played team in the division, proceeding through the division. In the event that the average number of conference games falls to four below, the two teams with the best winning percentage within the conference will participate in the conference championship game. Now, the Pac-12 has also released specific guidelines to determine when a game should be rescheduled or declared a no contest in the midst of the coronavirus pandemic. Now, according to the news release, Beach, cancellations or postponements will occur if there's an inability to isolate new positive cases within a team or an athletic department or to quarantine high-risk contacts. A game would also be in jeopardy if tests aren't available or if there's an inability to perform the tests under conference guidelines. The circumstances surrounding community spread could also impact games if transmissions rates are deemed unsafe by local public health officials or there's an inability to perform contact tracing consistent with government rig requirements. If local public health officials of the home team state determine the hospital infrastructure can't accommodate a surge, it could also impact a game. 
All this just all this just goes to tell me all this shit is only done so everyone can cover their ass for liability. That's that's it. You know that, that you know why don't we look at that? You that know, that's all that's of, all it about. If, we need if, to remove the litigious society we have. Well, you know, and that was one of the things that was kind of pressed for early in the first round of stimulus was trying to get some kind of liability waiver for coronavirus stuff. And I, and of course Congress wouldn't agree to it, and I don't know which side wouldn't agree to it, but that's because one of the biggest well, mainly well, because what, everybody Congress is a lawyer. Exactly, exactly. And, and what's one of the what's one of the biggest uh, lobbyists? Yeah, it's one of the biggest lobbies in Washington are freaking trial lawyers. Yeah, and no one yeah. talks about that. Nope, they don't want to talk about it. Well, as I was talking to uh, a friend of mine yesterday. And I made the comment, I said, you know, all this contact tracing is just BS because once you found out where it came from, what the hell does it matter? Well, they're it's, it's done they, and it's over. Well, it's kind of like an E. coli. It's kind of like an E. coli issue. It's like, okay, so they had it. They're not going to get it again. You're safer off going there than you are going anywhere else. <laughs> that's what I always tell Jess. If there's something like that, that's the place you go eat at when they open back up. And she's yeah. like, but why? And I'm like, because you know everything there is going to be freaking clean. They're going to be following every regulation to the T. Exactly. Chipotle after their little incident. Jack in the Box after they killed a couple people. It's mm-hmm. all good. Sizzler. So. <laughs> Sizzler. All right, Beach. Uh, one last story. I can't believe the I can't believe the Sizzlers are still around. I didn't hear anything you just said. You got there's one close. in Salem. Did you know that? Sizzler. What? Sizzler. Yeah, there's one in Salem that's still open. Yeah, yeah. There's, there's there's one in Albany too. Really? Yeah. Yep. Hey, Billy. Well, well, we got one more story here. Okay. The Oregon State Oregon football game has been selected by ESPN. So, well, is that, is that the Civil War, Billy? Yeah. Okay. Civil War has been selected by ESPN for three possible time slots on Friday, November 27th at Research Stadium. It was announced on Tuesday. Now, <laughs> three possible time slots. It could be 10, could be 2, could be 8. You're close. It could be 1230 <laughs> on ESPN or ABC. It could be 4 on ESPN, or it could be 730 on ESPN. So so this way we can plan. Yeah. The Pac-12 Conference and its television partners, ESPN and Fox Sports, announced network designations and potential kickoff times for all, quote, special date football games occurring on Fridays this season. That's the only one for the Beavs. Now, Beach, every football game through the first six weeks of the season will be televised nationally by a combination of ABC, ESPN, ESPN2, ESPNU, Fox, and FS1. ESPNU Fox, ESPNU, Fox, mm-hmm. and FS1. Oh, okay. okay. Hear anything missing there? Uh, ABC, uh-huh. ESPN, ESPN2. Uh-huh. No, like Pac-12 or what? Yeah, no Pac-12 network. Yeah, that's kind of worthless. So is it shut down for the year? Are they just going to shut it down, period, because it sucked? It's pretty much sucking right now. I've enjoyed some of it, but they have mismanaged so much stuff, it's not even funny. Well, you know, again, no no, uh, no deed goes unpunished, I'll tell you that. Yep. They, they get what they deserve. Yep. And you keep playing bullshit administration to run this stuff, and that's what you're going to get. Yep. 
Now, Fox will televise the 2020 Pac-12 football championship game on Friday, December 18th. Okay. But we don't have a time for that one either? No. You know, it's a lack of times, you know, for any of these. It's kind of frustrating at this point. You would think they'd at least have the first game. We don't have a time at all for, for the Washington State game, correct? Correct. Yeah. Why wouldn't you have a time slot for the Washington State game? Don't know. Yeah. I mean, it's not like, I mean, I can understand during the regular season when they're trying to align the, the best games up and the best matchups, but why don't you have it at this point? Nothing's changing. Pac-12 is Pac-12. Nobody's played each other yet. There's no there's no strong winners or losers. But Okay. It is what it is. Yep. Hey, Billy? Yeah, me. Hold on. You hear that? I do. Hold on just a sec. Hold on. Billy. Yes, Beach. This just in. Actor Zachary Ty Bryant, best known for playing Tim Allen's oldest son on Home Improvement, was arrested on domestic assault and strangulation charges in Eugene, Oregon, uh, the AP reported on Saturday. The Eugene Police Department told the AP that Brian is accused of assaulting his 27-year-old girlfriend by obstructing her breathing and grabbing her phone to keep her from calling 911. Brian, 39, was sitting outside his apartment when police arrived. His girlfriend was at a neighboring apartment and declined medical assistance. When asked why he would do such a thing uh, in Eugene, Oregon, Brian replied, I've seen what the Ducks have gotten away with over the years. This expletive deleted doesn't hold a candle to that. If I get anything more than a warning, I'll be shocked. And that is your Heinrich Tailgater update from Eugene. There you go. I did see that he got arrested down there. He's 39. Mm-hmm. That's just messed up. Yeah, he doesn't look very good. No. You, you know, it's it's funny. We we you know we remember him in his youth, and you you think that these kids have all this wealth from starring in you know that was the number one shit, sitcom for several years mm-hmm. back in the 90s. And uh, you'd have a good, but you know, a lot of these guys just they get done with their acting as kids and they they lose their their cute looks and they end up moving on to you know cooking burgers at the, the local greasy spoon yeah kind so, of tough. anyway all right all right beach well you're ready to go under further review for week number seven in the ncaa after further review the runner did cross the line yes all righty I've got our records and our picks here from this week's game from you, me, and Kyle. I hate you, Kyle. All right. Beej, first up, let's see. Well, moving into this week, we were at, you were at 18 out of 28. Kyle was Mm -hmm. at 19 out of 28, and I was at 22 out of 28. Okay, and forgive me, I left my notes out in my truck, so I don't have my notes in front of me, so I'm I'm going on. Going balls out here. So what do we got? All right, Beach. First up was number one Clemson at Georgia Tech. Oh, I'm pretty sure that we all took Clemson. 
Correct. Clemson's 73-7 win over Georgia Tech on Saturday was a historically lopsided affair. The number one Tigers entered halftime with a 52-7 lead, and it didn't get much prettier for the Yellow Jackets, despite Clemson sitting starters late in the game. Now, Trevor Lawrence, the Heisman favorite and projected number one overall pick in the 2021 draft, was in typical form despite throwing an interception for the first time since October 19, 2019. Whiteout Amari Rogers was the beneficiary of Lawrence's arm and hauled in six catches for 161 yards and two touchdowns to lead Clemson. Now, here's some of the eye-popping numbers from the blowout game, Beach. The halftime lead was Clemson, 52-7. On third down, Clemson was 52% of 9 of 17. Georgia Tech on third down was 14%, 2 for 14. Total yards, Clemson, 671. Georgia Tech, 204. Lawrence's combined passing and rush yards, 410. Now, the average uh, distance of Lawrence's pass attempts was 12.6 yards. Georgia Tech, That's my style, 12 yards every play. Yep. Georgia Tech's quarterback average distance on pass attempts, 5.8. Clemson had 500 passing yards. Georgia Tech, 81. Wow. Clemson was 33 uh, completions on 40 attempts. Georgia Tech... Six on 14. Now, Clemson had 66 unanswered points, and they scored a touchdown at 614 in the first quarter to start the streak of TDs that didn't end until the 741 mark in the fourth quarter. Wow. Now, there was 35 second quarter points scored by both teams. Obviously, 28-7. 17 mm-hmm. Clemson players caught a pass to only four Georgia Tech players. At least they spread the well. And four Clemson players threw a pass, including a punter. Clemson also scored 13 points on kicks. So they faked punted? Mm-hmm. Wow. Yep. So I guess when you're that high, maybe, or, you know, when you're that, that strong, you just pull out all the stops just to see what you can get away with. But I don't know. Mm-hmm. Anyway. So we each got the point there up next beach. Number 13, Auburn at South Carolina. Ooh, I'm pretty sure I took Auburn. What was that? I took Auburn. Yes, you did. Uh, You and I both did. Kyle took South Carolina, South Carolina's 30. Kyle's weird. South Carolina's 30 to 22 upset win over number 15 Auburn on Saturday afternoon wasn't just emphatic it was historic it was the first time since 1933 that the Gamecocks have topped the Tigers granted the two teams only played eight times since the prior Saturday quarterback Colin Hill a transfer from Colorado State hit Shai Smith on an amazing one-handed grab for a 10-yard score mid the way through the third quarter to put the Gamecocks up one and after J.C. Horn's second interception of Bo Nix on the ensuing drive Running back Kevin Harris scored from five yards out to stretch the lead to eight, and they never looked back. Now, in that game, uh, Knicks was 24-47 passing for 272 yards, one touchdown, but three costly interceptions that turned into Gamecocks touchdowns. And quite frankly, uh, Auburn was driving to um, tie the you know go for the possible tie and score at the end of that game, and on fourth down, Knicks hit a wide-open player, and the guy just dropped it. I was, really? I, I was watching it. I was like, it went right through his hands. He had nobody within him. He, had, he easily had a first down on fourth down. He, he was already tasting the first down and it forgot just, to wrap up the ball. Oh, it was just it was pathetic. And then, of course, the guy looked and 
Like, oh, what? I don't know what happened. You didn't, you didn't catch the ball, you moron. Uh, next up, some you and I did not score point. Kyle did. Next hey, up, I never score. Yeah, I know. Next up was LSU at Florida. That game was postponed due to the Rona. So up next, number twenty-one, Texas A&M at Mississippi State. Ooh, Leach versus Texas A&M. Correct. Didn't I take Texas A&M on that one? You and I did. Kyle, however, took Mississippi State. Sounds like Kyle might have won. Isaiah Spiller ran for 114 yards and two touchdowns, and Kellad Mon threw for two scores to help number 11 Texas A&M beat Mississippi State 28 to 14 on Saturday. Now Texas A&M led 14 to nothing at the half and had 325 yards of total offense in the game. Ania Smith caught five passes for 20 yards and a touchdown. Chase Lane caught two passes, including a 51-yard touchdown reception in the opening minutes of the third quarter. Now, Mississippi State had little offensive rhythm in the third straight game. The Bulldogs' first touchdown came on Emmanuel Forbes' interception return in the third quarter. So ever since that first game, Mississippi State not look so great. Mm. So sad. All right, so you and I got the point there. Kyle, however, did not. Up next, number eight, North Carolina at Florida State. Um, who did I take on that one? I didn't you, take Florida State, did I? You and Kyle took Florida State. I took North Carolina. Oh. That's right. North Carolina didn't have a very good team. They're only ranked number eight. I know. Eighth. How pathetic. Not even in the top five. Jordan Travis ran for two TDs and threw a scoring pass to help Florida State build a big first half lead. And then Seminoles held off number five. Actually, at the time they played number five, North Carolina, 31 to 28 on Saturday night. Travis guided an offense that generated 434 yards for Florida State, but was shut out in the second half. North Carolina quarterback Sam Howell led three second-half touchdown drives to pull to within 31 to 28. But the Tar Heels had drops on fourth on third and fourth downs in the final seconds to end the comeback bid. The Seminoles gave coach Mike Norville a signature victory in his first season in Tallahassee following a shaky start that included a blowout loss at Miami. So hmm. you two picked up the win there. All right, Beach, in the last game we picked last week, number three, Georgia, at number two, Alabama. Alabama. We all took Alabama. Alabama's yeah. receivers, quarterback Mark Quarterback Mac Jones, and yes, even its defense on the second half as the number two Crimson Tide pulled away from number three Georgia 41 to 24 on Saturday night. It's Alabama's sixth consecutive win against Georgia. Now, as expected, Jones had a huge game, throwing for 417 yards and four TDs, while receivers Jalen Waddell, Devonta Smith, and John Mechie III each made huge plays. Both Smith and Waddell topped 160 yards. And on the ground, running back Najee Harris powered his way to 150 yards in the score. Now, for a while, Georgia's defense helped Stetson Bennett and the offense take a 24-20 lead at the half. But the Bulldogs slumped in the second half by going punt, punt, interception, interception, missed field goal. Bennett closed with 269 yards passing and two TDs, but also threw three interceptions. Now, it all added up too much for Georgia to keep pace. Instead, Alabama defeated the Bulldogs again as Coach Nick Saban moved to 22-0 against his former assistants. Wow. Yep. Now Alabama outgained Georgia 564 to 414 and also forced three turnovers. So we all got the win there. So after this week, Beach, you guys each pulled a little bit closer. You ended at 22 out of 23. 
Kyle at 23 out of 23, and me at 25 out of 23. Just wait till we get to the Pac-12. There we go. Then it's changing. Uh, what do we got? We got uh, two more weeks. We got this week and next week, and then the Pac-12 starts. Yeah, which means we need to start prepping on on uh, getting a guest list together for the tailgater. Yeah, we'll talk about that here in a little bit. Okay. All right, Beach, let's look at the Pac-12 and the polls, which is funny because the Pac-12 hasn't played a game yet. And this week we'll actually get some but big... But they're still moving. Are they still moving? They, well, they are moving. And this week uh, we'll get some Big Ten schools. Uh, the Big Ten schools start playing. So, Beach, in the AP poll, Oregon checks in at number 13, following a spot. USC moves up a spot to number 24. And Utah, Arizona State, and Washington are all in the others receiving votes category. In the USA Today coaches poll, Oregon moves up a spot to 15. USC moves up a spot to 23. And Utah, Arizona State, Washington, Cal, and Stanford are all in the others receiving votes category. Okay. So there you go. Exciting. I mean, you know, I just can't tell you how excited I am to see teams moving up and down the polls without playing games. Pretty much. It makes me feel like the system's not rigged and like it's actually reasonable. It means something? Yeah. And that there's a bunch of teams that haven't even played a game yet that are listed up there? Yep. Yep. Yeah, makes sense, right? Nice to see that they don't have to work very hard to get to the top while the ones that don't get in there could be the best team out there and they never get a shot because no matter how hard they play, they can't achieve it. Well, let's see. Who's the highest? Let me look and see who the highest rank team is in the AP that hasn't played a game. Ohio State at number five. Penn State at number eight. Mm-hmm. And Oregon at number 13. So are those the top teams in those divisions? Wisconsin at tied for 14. Michigan at 18. Minnesota at 21. USC at 23, 24. So there you go. Yeah. How must it feel for the teams that have actually got a couple of wins under their belt that are like, still behind those teams? Like like SMU, who's 5-0, and and they're behind three teams that haven't played a game yet. Or even <laughs> even better yet, BYU, who's 5-0, and and is behind two teams that haven't played a game yet. Wow. Yeah. And behind one, two, three, four teams that haven't a loss. There's there's exactly two teams in front, uh, three teams in front of them that, have, that haven't, oh, there's a couple more than that, but still, it just cracks me up. Makes no sense. All right, Beej, it is now time for the Tommy Tuberville. What's he think I look like? A jackass? You sure do. <laughs> jackass of the Week Award. Every week we, ex- we like to discuss a person in college football who exemplifies the truly worst in sportsmanship, leadership, or just being a fan. And Beej, this week we're going to go to the Tennessee-Kentucky game. Okay. Did you see the game? I did not see the game. All right. Well, Beach, things became a little heated Saturday afternoon between Tennessee receiver Romel Keaton and Kentucky linebacker J.J. Weaver. Now, during the third quarter of the SEC matchup, Keaton caught a screen pass and then proceeded to lose several yards thanks to a great defensive play by Weaver. Now, after the play was over, Weaver had a strong reaction and a nearby official threw a penalty flag. Now, it wasn't clear what happened during the live broadcast, but a replay made it very clear. So... Weaver t- tackled Keaton and knocked him down. And Keaton's legs were kind of in the air. And okay, so, I think I can watch this video here. Tennessee yeah. receiver flagged for kicking defender in the... 
groin. Yeah. So you see, he's laying there on the okay, ground. Oh. <laughs> and he's laying there on the ground, and he kind of he kind of taps his foot a little bit first, and then full on kicks him in the junk. And it's like, what are you doing? Yeah, it wasn't a hard. It wasn't a hard kick. But I don't if you're not care. Wearing a cup, it might have. I don't care. You don't step on a dude's uh, junk like that. He didn't step. He kicked up. He was on the ground, and it, he kicked it, him up. Doesn't make it any better. Now Keaton was penalized for an unsportsmanlike conduct. Which is certainly one during well, the like, you know, when your brother with a cock punch when the gas runs out for the generator during a tailgater. I mean, it's no different. No, that's completely that's completely necessary, completely justified. Now, surprisingly, the kick was not enough to warrant an ejection. However, no, but Keaton was pulled to the sideline by his coach. Did, did you say an ejection or did you say something different? Ejection. Oh, ejection. There's okay. No, there's okay. no R uh, in there. The oh, kick God, wasn't I, enough to warrant an ejection. Ejack. Yeah. Anyway, okay. It's a, it's a J, not an R. Might have might have had a tubing going on there. It didn't warrant an ejection. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Now, Weaver was obviously in pain. I think it was one of those where he kind of gets twanged, where you kind of get oh, hit. Oh, twanging is the worst. Yeah, kind of when you get hit first, you think, oh, that sucked. But it doesn't hurt. And then, like, two seconds later, it kind of comes twanging in. And then you're like, oh. You know what I mean? Yeah, Twang, yeah. Twangs are the worst. Like, like, like if, if, like if your nutsack had a funny bone. Yeah. Where at first yeah. you think, oh, that didn't hurt. And then, oh, no, it did. Here it comes. Yeah. <laughs> so, anyway, for being a for being an idiot and kicking somebody in the junk, Ramil Keaton, you get this week's. <laughs> Jackass of the week. All right, Beach, it is now time for this week's musical interlude. And what are you going to grace us with? Okay, this one's a little long, so hopefully you can bear with me here because I think it was interesting. And again, I love to impart new stories. Okay, so today's musical interlude. In the fall of 1981, Gary Portnoy and Judy Hart were at a crossroads in their respective lives. Almost on a whim, Partnoy and Hart decided to take a shot at collaborating on the songs for a musical entitled Preppies. They began the project with low expectations, working on an upright piano. Uh, working on an upright piano, they composed the musical's first opening number called People Like Us. Now, Billy, I sent you uh, a link. You want to play that? Okay. People like us, never to be told, sidewalk bare and a tan gets you by. Don't perignon a bay mare from a roam. This we know from the time when we hide. Girls wear pearls and a long white dress. Gentlemen wear ascots from J. Press. People like us go for loafers or ducks, cotton mattress and khaki are key. But renting a stable and flashing a label seems terribly tacky to me. Contact sports are fine for jobs. We sit watching with bloodies on the rocks. Yeah. 
So, so uh, several months later, Gary and Judy were contacted by a Hollywood producer. It seemed that he had heard a tape, tape of people like us and was calling to tell them that he wanted to use it for a new TV show. They were ecstatic, except the producers of Preppies refused to let them use it. At first, it was very frustrating for Gary and Judy to sit down and attempt to write a theme song when they had already written the theme without even knowing it. So they opted to do what neither of them had ever done before or since. They copied their own song. What what resulted, uh, so they have to do what neither of them had ever done before or since, copy their own song. What resulted was a composition called My Kind of People, a somewhat transparent but not unpleasant alter ego of people like us. That's the other link, Billy. My kind of people, root for the home team, make it a living. Mainstream. We sit with our friends, the old and the true ones, before the night ends. We're bound to make new ones, you never know who's gonna show at cheers and ears to my kind of people. Do for each other when you're in trouble. We're there when you fall To pick you up after We cry when you cry Then share in your laughter You're never alone There's always a home at cheers And here's to My kind of Seven, we're feeling good. Anyone would and cheers and here's to my kind of people. My kind of people make their own sunshine. Make their own sunshine. Singing the old song. Singing the old song. Having a good time. Having a good time. Drop in for a while. Swap a few stories. Toast all your heroes and talk of their glories with people 
care, a family to share through the years, right here at Cheers. Cheers! Okay. Okay, so again, I don't know what you thought of both of those songs. They're meh. Um, this song was promptly rejected by the TV show's producers. So then they wrote another song called Another Day, uh, and it too flopped for the producers, but the producers still had faith in Portnoy and Hart. So they tried one more time. They noodled around with the keyboard and found a tune, and then these words came together. Singing the blues when the Red Sox lose. It's a crisis in your life. On the run, because all your girlfriends want to be your wife. And the laundry tickets in the wash. Should I go on to the next verse? Oh, go ahead. Okay. All those nights when you've got no lights and the check is in the mail. And your little angel hung the cat up by its tail. And your third fiancé didn't show. And you guys probably already sing in the chorus. But what's what's neat is uh, they needed a third verse for this little song that they wrote, if you can't already guess what it was for. Um, unfortunately, this song, which or this verse, which is the best verse, rarely gets heard. Yes, it, but it says rarely gets heard. Oh, and it's funny because I have this whole song. No, it's great. So it says, rolled out of bed, Mr. Coffee's dead. The morning's looking bright. And your shrink ran off to Europe and didn't even write. And your husband wants to be a girl. Be glad there's one place in the world where everybody knows your name. Anyway, so the producers loved it, except they didn't like the opening chorus. While the TV show, which we all know is Cheers, was a bar uh, was uh, set in Boston, uh, the bar was for everyone, not just Red Sox fans. So they had Portnoy and Hart rewrite the first uh, the first verse. So instead, it starts out. Making your way in the world today takes everything you've got. Taking a break from all your worries sure would help a lot. So anyway, so here in its entirety, in a version where Beach doesn't butcher it, is Where Everyone Knows Your Name, the theme song for Cheers by Gary Portnoy and Judy Hart as a celebration of alcohol for our this year's theme for music. Husband wants to be a girl. 
glad there's one place in the world where everybody knows your name. And they're always glad you came. You want to go where people know people are all the same. You want to go where everybody knows your name. Oh, Beach. I, I, you know, I found this little ditty on this thing, and I thought, wow, what a neat little story. Oh, and what was interesting is, so the the producers of Preppies who wouldn't give up the first song mm-hmm. to them, it the Preppies flopped, and it only lasted like two months on Broadway. Oh, wow. Yeah. So, and and these guys, like they said, their their music is now heard around the world. Everybody knows that song. Oh yeah, yeah. Nobody knows so. the whole song. No, no. Well, okay. they do now. <laughs> Our fan knows now. Yeah. No, that's what's one of those where I've always I've always liked playing that thing. Mm-hmm. It, it's kind of like the Dukes of Hazard theme song too. Yeah, nobody nobody Same knows all the all the lyrics. Yeah, the third verse is always the best verse. Yeah, where uh, uh, with the Dukes of Hazard, he's like, uh, "Mama doesn't hey. know what my face looks." No. Uh, yeah. Why she sees my hand, and but not, she never. She sees my hands, but not my face on TV. Yeah. Because you only ever just saw Waylon Jennings' hands. Uh-huh, when he started strumming the guitar. Yeah. Yeah. Let's go, Beach. All righty. It is now time to get into our picks for this week. I've got Kyle's email right here. Let me pull it up. There we go. All right. Okay. First up, heading into this week, we got some Big Ten games. We've got Nebraska at number five, Ohio State. Go Big Red. Taking Nebraska, huh? I think so. What the hell? I got nothing to lose. Ohio State's what? What'd you say they're ranked? Ohio State's number five. And what's Nebraska ranked? Not. Hmm. I'm going to go with Nebraska. All right. Um, first up, Beach was he's Kyle is saying Nebraska. The N is for knowledge. Oh, Kyle, you're so funny. I want Nebraska to win, but I'm taking Ohio State. Fine, pick the easy one. <laughs> Next up, number 23, NC State at North Carolina. So North Carolina State versus North Carolina? Correct. What do they call that? Football game. Oh, okay. I don't know if that game's got a I don't know if that game's got a uh, a uh, a name like that. Cuz North Carolina's big um rivals Duke. Oh. They always seem to play each other in the final four mm-hmm. or the sweet 16 or somewhere yep. along there. Yep. All right. I'm going to go with North Carolina. NC. Kyle says NC state. I'm going to take mm-hmm. North Carolina. All right. Next up. Number three, Notre Dame at Pitt. 
Hmm. No touchdown, Jesus. Pitt. I'm going with Pitt. Taking Pitt. Kyle says, Notre Dame. I'd like to see Pitt win, but I think Notre Dame will, so I'm taking Notre Dame. All right, two more. No, three more, excuse me. Number 17, Iowa State at number six, Oklahoma State. I don't like an Iowa State. I'm going to take Oklahoma State. Kyle says, OK State. Next up, South Carolina at LSU. Mm. LSU. I, too, am taking LSU. Kyle says, go Tiger. He's taking LSU. How long has he been down there now? Um, Coach Ed, like three years. Okay. Maybe four. Okay, next up, Beach, number 18, Michigan at number 21, Minnesota. Hmm. Michigan's like two states in one. That's what I always thought. So that two is over better than one. So we're going to go with Michigan. I was showing um, Gunner the other day about the the mitten and how Michigan's a, a mitten, if you don't count the Upper Peninsula. Hmm. So if you know anybody from Michigan and they're from not from the Upper Peninsula but the main part of Michigan, if you ask mm-hmm. them, if you ask them where they live, they'll hold up their left hand and point on the hand where they're from. Because hmm. because if you look at Michigan, it looks like a mitten. Hmm. Yeah. So they're from the mitten part of Michigan. Um, Kyle said, uh, Golden Gopher, go fellow Rodentia. I, too, am going to take Minnesota. All right. There we go. We'll see. Well, I'm this. either going to get really far ahead or really far behind this next week. Uh, we got a couple different ones. Yeah. We'll wait and see. You got a bunch of different ones. Oh, we'll wait yeah. and see. You could, you could pull even. Could, could. I'm better than pulling what I normally pull. Yeah. All right, Beach. Uh, so we were going to talk about um, the tailgater. Yep. Yes. So we're going to keep attendance pretty pretty capped, correct? Mm-hmm. Yes. So there's only going to be so many spots. Mm-hmm. Um, what we'll probably do, what we will do is, should we have people email or text? What do you think is better? I, I think yeah. e- email. Email might be better because text, you're just going to get too many. Your, your phone's going to light up. Yeah, and I won't be able to keep track of it. Where if they're all in the email, it'll be yeah. easier to get. And we'll, we'll post this on Heinrich Tailgater too. But, okay. Um, so, and it's what, just, what email are we going to use? Use Heinrich Tailgater at gmail.com. That way they're all in one place. And just okay. let us know, one, if you'd like to come, and two, how many people. And this isn't mm-hmm. going to be like our normal tailgaters that go on all day. It will be for a fixed amount of time. Yeah, well, maybe maybe a little bit before the game. Probably hour and a half or two hours before the game, through the game. So we're probably looking at like five hours. Yeah. And, right. uh, and will, it'll be at the barn at Twin yeah, first, Pines. Yeah, first game is here up in Dundee. So if you're not willing. And, and I would say also, Billy, since we are planning this one and we don't have the large um, volume of people, we, we really do need an accurate guest count. Yeah. So yeah. don't please don't say you're going to come when you might not be able to come. And definitely don't come if you're not feeling well. Correct. So. Correct. But it will be, it will be, I mean, we'll have the barn open, but we'll have that door open. 
we'll put up the tent outside the front of the barn. So there'll be plenty mm-hmm. of open air places to spread around, and we'll have two TVs going. So people won't yeah. be stuck in one place. And um, now the other question is: so I've got I've got two pork butts that I'll be smoking up. I'm mm-hmm. gonna I'm gonna go up and get cheese at the the bookstore so we can make um, mac and cheese. Are we gonna want people to bring food? Um, bring their own beverages. What do you think? I mean, we're, we're going to have a limited number of people. We can just, I think it'd be easier if we handle the beverages and if we can just rely on people to put a donation in the uh, jar to okay. cover our expense. Okay. We I think that's that. just going to be easier. We can do that. We've got the fridge out there. I can cover beverages. Uh, we'll have a, a pretty good uh, choice. Mm-hmm. Um, you think that's okay? Or do you think we should have people bring their own? Well, if people want to bring some and drop them off, I think that's uh, that's also um, a good thing because you're not going to drink it. I'm not going to drink it. No, no, that's true. That's yeah. true. So we'll we'll have that up there, and um, we'll just kind of see how it goes. Now we've talked about doing it for every game, but we'll have yes. to kind of see how it goes. Yeah. Because at that point, you're asking me to do six parties in six weeks. Mm-hmm. And that's a lot of work. And, and, and granted, we can they're, they're a little less stressful because we don't have to set up um, a massive tailgater. Yeah. You know. But it's the, still, it's still yeah, a lot of work. Oh, absolutely. So. So, so but, anyways, well, this is what we're going to do to the first one. We will more than likely do a second one the next week down at Greg's house. But this week, we're just going to sign up for this one. And like I said, let us know. You know, one, tell me who you are. Two, how many people? Yeah. And, and like I said, and d- if, you, if you can't come, don't re- don't ask. Yeah. We just want we just want. Or if you change, or if you change your mind or something else comes up, please let us know. Um, what? Because that way we can keep an accurate count and possibly let somebody else come in. Exactly. But but I would say also again we we want to keep it to people who have been loyal to the tailgater for the last twenty some odd years. Yeah. So people that that are our regulars that show up, we'd love to see you. Yeah. So, and we'll just kind of go through, and I, I don't want anyone to take offense to anything. We're just trying to do what we can. Um, we are lim- we're we are supposed to be limited, and we're gonna try and we just want to make sure people one have fun, but two are comfortable. Yeah. So. So um, if you're so not going to be go. comfortable or if you're going to get weirded out by anything, don't come out. Just don't, you know, we just want people that are going to have fun and not be all. That person was 5.8 feet away from me. They didn't say, well, come on now, you know, <laughs> let's, let's, if, if, if that's worries you, I, I can understand it, but then it's probably, this probably isn't something you want to do. But we're also not going to be, it's not yep. going to be a normal tailgater. We have 80 people and everyone's packed in and, and, uh, you know, jammed up beside each other too. So yeah, well, we should have room to spread out. Uh, if you want, you can play a round of golf. Yep. There you go. So and there's plenty of places to park too. Yes. So, anyways. All right. There we go. Anything else to add beach? Um, Oh, just, just a reminder for that game. I do have a guest staying Saturday night. So, okay. uh, we just need to keep that in mind. Hopefully it's an earlier game. But uh, and I'm sure my guests won't mind, and I can let them know beforehand once we get a time yeah. schedule. Sounds good. But uh, 
but I will have some guests staying that night. But again, should be okay. Right on. All right. Well, I want to thank everyone for listening to show number 147 of the League of Participation. If you'd like to comment, send a suggestion, or ask a question, there are a couple ways. HeinrichTailgator at gmail.com, at HeinrichTailgator on Twitter, and HeinrichTailgator on Facebook. Remember, you can listen and subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher Radio, Spotify, iHeartRadio, and any podcast you like. Remember, please leave a rating and review. Beach. Billy. I'm finally getting towards the uh, Pac-12 season. I can't wait. I'm getting a little chubby just thinking about it. There you go. Next week, number show number 148 will be one week closer to a Beaver kickoff. Until then, go Beavs. I want to thank everyone for listening to episode number all right that was a pretty good one I, I thought I did okay did you like the song no it was good I as soon, I looked I looked at that email when you sent it to me okay yeah so I knew it was coming but that's why I was like going beads you're gonna make me freaking because here's the problem oh. I, I can record stuff off YouTube Mm-hmm. but it's not easy and I don't always remember how to do it and I have to change a bunch of settings. I'm sorry. And it takes me a while to figure it out. I like beer. <laughs>